This is Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. High performance. Human optimization. Human optimization. People think hectic. Craziness. No time. No fun. Just work, work, work. work, work. work. Perform. Perform. Harder. Harder. Push. Push. Machines. High pressure. No time. It's time to slow down to speed up. You owe more to yourself. This is Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Monique is a high-performance and human optimization specialist. During the show, Monique and her guest will talk about all things time management, impactful leadership, mindset mastery, and energy efficiency. It's time to take control of your time and live life limitless. This is Efficiency On Demand, and this is your host, Monique. Welcome back, everyone, to a new episode of Efficiency On Demand. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Today, I have a really, really interesting guest for you, and I actually don't know much about him yet, but we will change that together. So we kind of have a lot of mutual friends, so I'm really, really excited to dive in. But one thing that stuck out to me is that he may not be really well-known yet in the internet world, but that might be really intentional, but he has like an intense knowledge of human nature, of a neuroscience background maybe as well, and uh, is definitely a big name in the copywriting scene. So I'm really, really excited to dive in to a few of my favorite topics, which is like human uh, behavior and human nature, and see how this can apply to be more efficient when maybe writing copy, maybe, you know, getting shit done. We will see. So let me introduce you to you, Dane Knighton, everyone from the UK. Hi, Dane. How are you doing? Good. Let's roll. Let's roll. <laughs> Thank you for having time today for us. Maybe it's just start out with explaining everyone, uh, who are you, what are you doing and why you're doing it? Okay. Free barreled here. Okay. <laughs> so... Yeah, I'm a copywriter and basically strategic partner, if you want to have to box me in like that. Yeah, basically, I guess I self-identify more as a copywriter as a skill. I prefer to do strategic partnerships because it's beneficial for both, both parties. That's who I am. That's what I do. And then I'm sure maybe we'll touch a bit on the, the story, as you guys see in a minute. And yeah, like Monique said, a lot of human nature as copywriting is basically 75%, even more, just psychology anyway, really. So that's basically it. So how did you get into copywriting? What made you want to learn the skill or be the person who understands a lot about psychology and human nature? So yeah, basically, uh, before we started recording the podcast, Monique was asking me, because on my website, I have this picture of uh, my really bad acne. Um, so when I was, I can't exactly remember my age, I think I was like 18 and I started getting really severe cystic acne. Anyway, so I was doing loads of content for fitness YouTube videos. And at first, you know, I was just willing to help people out. I didn't have a a business, uh, whatever it is, motivation to make money from people, especially in that niche, because most of that niche is a lot of bullshit. You know, it's just basically eat less and exercise, blah, 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 blah. 
anyway, so I was making loads of videos, like 700 videos, and then I, I came to do my pitch. I, I bought um, Robert Cialdini's influence, and I was like, oh, okay, let's do this. Made me write a VSL. Actually, I didn't even write it. I just, I just took the principle, okay, commitment and consistency. Do a trial close here and then here, right? So I did that. I ended up getting one sale out of 700 videos. So I was thinking, okay, shit, like I've got, I, I know so much about fitness, but really that doesn't really matter, right? It's just, it's about the marketing of the thing, not the actual getting good at the thing. So anyway, I did all these videos, ended up making several dollars. And then I even refunded the guy for no reason. I don't actually know why. I just, because I changed it and actually added more value to the program, I refunded him, but... <laughs> Yeah, so that's why, basically, because I couldn't sell at all. So that's how I started to learn copywriting. And I'm sure your listeners, or they may or may not know, it's basically just persuasion. The more, you, the better you get a copy, the more you can persuade basically anyone. So first of all, what does that have to do with your acne picture on the website? Well, it's part of the story. So like I just said, so if I, I guess... The, the acne picture has more to do with the fitness content, okay. right? So I was, I was, I had really bad acne, but still like hundreds of thousands, millions of people were watching me, right? And still, I didn't even make money after making all those videos. So that leads me into the copywriting career, so to say. So after you started learning copywriting, did you ever get to the point where you had to kind of think about whether you're persuading someone or you're manipulating someone oh yes i manipulate everyone that's that's what it is i mean people people that say they don't manipulate people are just talking absolute bullshit right it's the same as when someone say oh you're deceiving me well women that wear push-up bras are deceiving me right <laughs> so it's it's all deception and manipulation it's that's what that's the game of life so I see. Here's the thing. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like, which is why I said the fitness industry and the health industry, it's it's just like rappers over like the keto diet and this diet. They all have the same principles, which we'll get to in a second about efficiency. They all have the same principles. So to sell it, it's it's it feels this like icky feeling, right? But it's again, it goes back to the principle of sell them what they want, give them what they need. Right. So, yeah, you, you, of course you manipulate people. Everyone manipulates people. So as a woman, how do I sell them big tits? And if I don't have them, give them, what do I give them then? Create character? Oh. <laughs> oh, well, it depends what kind of sexuality you are. If you are men, men are quite simple. So I'm Is pretty it, sure yeah? you know the answer to that. Yeah, it's it's all deception. Trust like that's and even life is power, right? I've actually got a book. They can't see it, but like Rob, um, Robert Greene's book, right? The yeah. Forty Laws of Power. Sure. At first, the first time I've read it, it was years ago, and I read it through a lens of just reading the actual book. Now I read it through the lens through persuasion and marketing. It's a completely different book, right? So it just depends what lens you view everything through. So would you say that you do make a difference between persuasion manipulation or you don't make a difference because for you there is none? Huh. Say that again. That's interesting. Say that again. 
Do you make a difference between persuasion and manipulation? And if though, when do you use which? And if you don't make it, why not? Hmm. I've been on a lot of podcasts. Well, not a lot. I'm talking nonsense. But recently, I've jumped on a few. I've got to say, these questions are interesting so far. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay, persuasion. Yeah, so I'd say persuasion. Again, it's it's all about... And I'm, I may actually be doing a TEDx talk on this soon. It's all about... Life is all about perspective, right? And frames, right? So... If you, the way I view persuasion is through the glass, the window, whatever you want to call it, the frame of kind of helping someone, right? So I'd happily sell a product that's good and I'll be happy, I'll happily persuade that person. Right. Because for them, if they don't have this product, right, they're worse off. Right. For example, like there's some personal trainers that, shouldn't be doing personal training whatsoever. They're actually dangerous. So those people, I don't want to get so good at persuasion so I can get their clients and help their clients because I know this guy is just going to tell them a lot of nonsense. So anyway, that's persuasion. Manipulation, on the other hand, uh, again, it's it's just like semantics almost. It's just the meaning you give the word, isn't it? Well, manipulation, I say it's the same as persuasion, right? So selling is manipulation right? okay. i think there was there was a book there's a book called something like non-manipulative selling like what a lot of bullshit what else is it right right imagine imagine someone reading a sales letter and you go oh yeah this is wrong with the product and this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong and everything else is wrong and you know what it's probably not the best fit for you oh and also by the way to lose weight, like you just your calories need to be lower than your expenditure per day, right? If you tell someone that they're not going to buy it, right? right. So you need to know how the human brain is wired. Sure. So if you'd ask me the question, my distinction between persuasion and manipulation would be your intention. So if you have, as you said, a good intention to help anyone, then you can persuade them. But if you have a bad intention of, for example, you you couldn't even be bothered about whether this product is good or not, you just want to make the money, and your intention is actually not to help anyone, but to just like take them out because all you got to do is like fill up your bank account, then in my opinion, this is like a bad intention, and then you manipulate people into buying, for example. So as you say, it might be semantics, but I do feel like this little thing between like whether your intention is more in the positive or the negative direction is a very important one at least to me so I think like you say right looking at it from a lens of perception like how everyone perceive it then we could go into all of these cognitive biases couldn't we yeah if you like yeah um but yeah i, I like i agree with you there 100 percent. and i didn't even think about that right because ever since i don't know from a young age my attention is just give value so that for me was almost subconscious right? i didn't right. even think about that but i'd 100 agree with you there 100 percent. right well we just like before so before we started the podcast just for the ones who are listening to us we just talked a lot about like the kind of um online world that we're currently in and I feel like then to add this very little bit of distinction of the intention is really really important because there are people out there who don't 
subconsciously carry a good intention every single day with them. Yeah, I don't really <laughs> understand their like their purpose. Like, yeah, you, you can make some money, and then what else? Like, you're just gonna be some empty soul, and then probably commit suicide in a few years. Like, what's the point? Yeah, let's. That's let's why I don't like to... the internet marketing role. Right, right, right. So, okay, great. I think that's a fair point because I do believe that a lot of people who dive in, and I mean, probably most of my listeners are online entrepreneurs, uh, business owners, but or move in the online world. So talk to me about this whole thing of having a purpose, having fulfillment, the kind of like fulfilling your soul or this notion of like suicide, because I think like what you said is a really fair point of if you fill up your bank account, that's not just it, right? We can't just, I mean, it's important to have money. We all know that, but it's not gonna fill the blank. So how did you find what's, what's important for you and how did you get to the point to actually follow that? Okay, so yeah, grow, I grew up as a quite, uh, I grew up in South Africa, like Elon Musk, and I was maybe unlike Elon Musk, I grew up relatively poor, right? Like super poor. I had basically everything we possessed as a kid. My mom, mother and father divorced at a young age, which isn't bad but there was alcohol involved and stuff. So pretty a messed up kid, but there's certain exposures that they affect you later on. And then, yeah, I had that severe acne, which was poor. I almost committed suicide. That was bad. Um, but for anyone that's had it, they know exactly what it feels. Just imagine, because I'm trying to use a metaphor here, but just imagine like, if you're a woman listening to this and you have to put makeup on before you go out, or you need to look good, right? Like imagine having acne every time and when you have to go out. It's like you can never look basically quote unquote good to your own self-image. But anyway, to answer your question, the purpose. So it's quite interesting actually, because a lot of people they say like they get depressed and they get depression. And I'll link back to your point. But it all comes back for me. My purpose is just giving back, right? So I would like to retire my parents, just give back to them everything they've done for me. Again, same with all my content for fitness, for example, right? So it just value. Well, what's his name? Gary Vaynerchuk, jab, 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 right, right hook, right? The only problem is I never had a right hook, but <laughs> I jabbed a lot. Yeah, for me, it's just giving back. Honestly, I, I can't really. Like we said earlier, it's in my subconscious just to be give value, 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 value. And I just think giving back is what, what actually prevents people from topping themselves over. And because it's a weird thing. I think, I don't know what Tony Robbins said or something. He said, or whatever, what you focus on expands, right? So if you're just focusing on yourself, oh, where's my bank account? Where's my bank account? You forget everyone else. You'll just be end up just like, wealthy person on your own and no one gives a shit about you basically so i don't know if that answers your question but i, I shed some light on it i hope <laughs> yeah definitely so let's dive a little bit into the human nature and the psychology of like not only copywriting but that you had to learn basically to understand how to persuade someone so how did you get started with all of this kind of knowledge because it's like a deep rabbit hole that someone can just slips in and never gets out so when you first started learning copywriting and diving into it, where did you start? 
That's a great question. That leads me straight to kind of the first point I have for efficiency, right? Always start with principles, always. Like the book Ray Dalio publishes on principles, right? It's, mm-hmm. The guy is he's not a stupid guy, I can tell you that. So always start with I can learn, and it's not just me, I'm just using me as an example. Anyone can learn any skill in a much shorter time than they think if they start with their principles, right? So the way I started copywriting, first of all, what I do is, and this kind of leads me to the second point, is reverse engineer and model what works, right? Now, don't be this funnel like a idiot that just copies people verbatim, right? Don't be that. But look, for example, so when I started copywriting, I reverse engineered. I was like, who does this person learn from? How did he get good at copywriting? Let's look at the tree, right? So like a family tree. Who's at the bottom? Okay. In marketing, oh, it's Dan Kennedy. It's John Carlton. It's Gary Herbert. Okay. It's Jay Abraham. Let's go to them. Let's look at the principles they've used, right? And you can even go further back, like scientific advertising, Robert Collier, all these things, right? Look at the principles. See how you can apply the old adage principles to the new modern era. And that's how you learn the skill. Uh, so people sell these whatever Facebook courses or whatever you sell, LinkedIn course, and they don't even understand the principle. They don't understand anything about customer acquisition or anything like that, right? So it's like they're learning. They're learning how to put the cherry on top of the cake without actually baking the bottom of the cake. Right. So I love yeah. cake, so I definitely understand that principle. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I use the metaphor, right? Everyone knows. And then probably let's uh, looking for patterns as well. Okay, so here's a here's an important bit. I, I'm it's it's probably not a good thing. It's hard to admit, even, but I kind of I have an obsessive personality. But I guess I do. Um, so <laughs> it stems from the from the background, right? So when I when I go in, I, I go in, right? So when I work out, I don't work out with anyone that's not interested in working out. You work out with me, we work out, we don't talk shit. Anyway, so back to the copywriting, left you in an open loop. So I basically just got a computer, pack of free blue pens. I just sit there copy out proven hand sales letters for five to six hours per day, right? If you're on copywriting, you've probably heard all this. And that's not exaggerating, by the way. I would literally do that for five to six hours. I wouldn't recommend that for any, everyone because I found actually a better, uh, a better way, right? <clears throat> the way, and this is, I think we're in principle, step number three for being more efficient. Here's the thing. Look for patterns, okay? Look for patterns and learn from other people's mistakes. When I'm honing my copywriting skill, all I'm doing is I'm breaking down a sales letter or a sales message that's made millions, right? I'll, I'll just go line by line. I was doing this yesterday, actually. I'll go line by line. What, what are they doing? Oh, okay. They've left me on open loop. Okay. They've used a precision trigger, right? So to learn any skill... That's basically how you do it. That's how I learned copywriting. So now we got the principles. We have we go through reverse engineering and we have the patterns. But how do I know I'm on the right track? Like you can go to any through any sales letters and you see what you need to see. But how do I know I have to improve something or how do I improve it? Okay, good question. 
first stage is awareness right so like anything uh, i personally believe your life your life what's the word i'm looking for your life is almost in direct correlation to your exposure to things right if you haven't been exposed to business and you haven't been sure how to make money then you don't know otherwise right same as if you haven't been to the gym and someone hasn't shown you how to do the exercise properly and shown you how to eat right blah 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 you don't know because you've never been exposed to it so first first thing is awareness and that kind of leads me by the way that was efficiency step number two when i when i was talking earlier this is efficiency step number three right so it is learn from other people's mistakes right i think uh what's his name charlie monger he said something like it's good to learn from your mistakes but it's even better to learn from other people's mistakes right so to answer your question what you do is you get mentors and get the right mentor because i've been burned by one and he was a fucking asshole but yeah so make sure you know who you're hiring if you hire the mentor and the way you do that is reverse engineer look at their their results do they I was going to say, do they know what they're talking about? But you don't know that yet. So <laughs> really take into account um, if they're good or not. Shit, where was it going with this? I went off a rabbit hole there. Where's it going with this one? Hiring a, the right mentor. Hiring the right one there. There you go. Stay, stage of awareness. Yeah. We're back on track. Yeah. Right, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, so get some awareness. Read some books, right? So again, start with the principles. Learn the principles. Then, again... Be, have an open mind, look at other people, and the way you know when you break down a sales is to once you have the awareness. Right. So, for example, if someone watches my my videos and I break down it, say, for example, I show them what an open loop is, right, or I show them whatever is uh, objection, claim, proof, benefit, how to overcome objections, etc. The next time, now they have awareness, they can do that by themselves and by analyzing the sales letter, and then by actually doing it, writing a copy, then they'll learn a skill. Right, so mm-hmm. get that awareness from books and mentors, okay. the short version of it. So going a little bit deeper into which which type of psychological knowledge, I want to say, or maybe even cognitive biases, do you think should be everyone knowing in order to persuade better in copy? Okay, here's the thing. I happily admit, and I don't think anyone actually knows all of the cognitive biases off the head. Well, I'm sure there's some freaks, but it's actually <laughs> almost unnecessary. Right. <laughs> oh, okay, shit. Uh, well, I've actually got... Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> when you're not so intelligent, right, when you're not born intelligent like some people, you just literally print off the list. I can't actually find it, and you guys can't see it anyway, but just know that I've got a desk of a lot of swipe files and lists and in that list i've got a list of cognitive biases right, right. so what you do is you just after writing probably the sales that's or even before right you can have a look at them see how do i apply this and that, that's what really matters right you can know all of the cognitive biases but it means shit if you don't know how to apply it right, right? So it's all about application um, but there are definitely a few of them so we got like after Munger, we got like 25 right so maybe one more or less, whatever. Yeah. but there I mean, are 25, yeah. but there are definitely like the top three of them that you should be kind of at least knowing how to apply them and maybe even see them because the funny part about cognitive biases is they work every single time. They work on you as much as they work on me. 
And I'm like a nerd of like human nature and neuroscience and you're a copywriter nerd and still they would fucking get us just because they just work because they're a cognitive bias, right? We can, we know exactly it's there. We can see it and we'd be like, ah, that's that bias and ding, it's getting us still. And so I think this is the power of using them, especially is... I believe in copywriting, one of the powerful methods that you can use is actually changing beliefs for people, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. That, that's, that's all copywriting is. That's all it is. Right. So if you go right in the cognitive bias of someone being like, say they have the lens of like, let's just make an example. So we want to like, let's do fitness because that's that's been uh, part of your uh, work before. So let's just say, you know, keto diet fantastic <laughs> so keto diet is the one and only and that's their belief and if you don't do, uh, if you don't do keto you're just gonna die like 10 years earlier and you're gonna be so sick and you're never gonna lose your excess weight and whatever it is so you want to change that belief right so how are you going to attack that okay cool good question but first of all i wouldn't even sell to the keto diet or I wouldn't even try to change their belief. I'd just sell the keto product. Okay, right. right. So, so, yeah, it's, it's confirmation bias. Just confirm what they already believe. Right, okay. So that, that's the easy route. Um, but that's not always the case, right? You have to create, quote-unquote, demand for the product because the market segment is not that big. Not everyone has a certain belief. Mm-hmm. Um, so to answer your question, the way you kind of create that demand and change the beliefs... It's actually what I've been, I've done a lot of podcasts and I always explain this. So I'll explain the process. The way, so the way you form a belief, right, is you have an experience. So for example, I tell a story, I won't go through the whole story here, but I tell a story of basically a pike being dropped into an aquarium. There's loads of minnow, the pike goes in to eat all the minnow. The psychologist comes in for the second round, puts a glass cylinder over the minnow pike hits his nose boom 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 on a glass cylinder right so he has a bad experience right and now just like that glass cylinder this pike has glass walls in his mind because glass cylinders get removed minnows swim into his face he doesn't move a muscle if they've got muscles and then like he's just got a bad experience and now from that experience he has a belief that oh why is this time going to be different? I bump my nose so many times, right? And he tells himself a story, which is, what's the point of even trying? I can't eat minnow, right? So it's ex- experience, belief, and story. Uh, a lot of people probably kind of know that. Perhaps not, but they've learned something now. So that's how you form a uh, belief. Is he going to survive? Uh, we, we, well, you're going to wait and see, right? Because maybe oh, right, I, need right. change, I need to change his beliefs first. Okay. Let's do so, it. So let's change his <laughs> beliefs. So the way you change beliefs, and <laughs> when you write copy, right, the the belief changes. Again, it's I need to find a, a way to make this more interesting. I've basically wrote an entire book on this, but I still need to find a way to make this more interesting. You just need to do research, right? And it, it sounds so tiresome, but yeah, I'm working on it, guys. So anyway, get you have to know your customers. Basically, what they've experienced in the past, they're actually was talking about Stefan Georgie, right? Your your friend. So he was talking about him before, and he has 
he always says, learn people's victories and failures, I believe. Uh, I don't listen to a lot of his stuff, but I believe he said something like that. All right. So the reason you want to do learn what your customers' victories and failures are is because then you'll understand their experiences. Okay. So anyway, back to how we change beliefs. I, I, I leave them on the open loop for you. So I use a process called SAS. Okay, so you can think of SAS, SASE goal, whatever you want to remind yourself of this. So SAS is you diagnose or you identify, should I say, a specific symptom. So, for example, in we use the keto diet. So, for oh, I need to be nice here, don't I? Uh, no, no, so no. We have specific. explicit language. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Not like I've been following the guidelines of that niceness anyway. So the, let's let's not use the specific symptom of the keto diet, so to say, or or we, we let's do it, actually. So for those of the listeners who don't know about the keto diet, right, basically you kind of cut carbs, right? And let's say, for example, today you just eat normal and tomorrow you go on a keto diet, right? The following day, your weight, right, it's not fat, your weight will go down mainly because your water retention has gone down, right? You're holding less water, right? So a lot of people be like, oh, I've lost so much weight. Okay. Horrible diet, by the way. You can't eat cake. Fuck that. Yeah, yeah. It's just some nonsense diet. No. The people that sell that thing and the people that sell all these kind of diets are just... You we'll, can't we'll get leave. me off carbs. I'm just saying that much. <laughs> Yeah, whatever, it's isn't a kilo it? Kilo of potatoes, but anyways, yeah, keep on, keep on changing beliefs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's keep on changing the Pike's beliefs. Okay, <laughs> um, so we're on symptoms. We'll, we'll keep on the the keto one, but here's here's a good one. So let's say, for example, when uh, when women, <laughs> well, this is just an example for sales. That this is not my words. When when women, for example, get overweight or f- anything like that, and maybe they're body image or the self-confidence of their body is decreasing, decreasing, decreasing. And they might say in their own specific languaging, something like, um, oh, my libido is set to headache, right? So, oh, I don't know. This is what I read in sales letter. So I said it's not my words, but the whole... <laughs> the the whole talk, yeah. <laughs> Uh, listen, I'm making this memorable for the listeners. Okay, okay, okay. So go on. <laughs> so the, the whole point is to identify a specific symptom. Right. right. So you want to get as close as possible to what your target market basically sees on a constructual level. Right. So again, if, for example, um, a husband or whatever, a husband kissed the wife and she was like, oh, that's a granny kiss or something like that. Right. So just by labeling that and identifying the specific symptom, right? So that's a specific symptom. You can kind of link it to the experience that we just talked about a minute ago. Your job is to also give them a new experience, okay? So the way you give them... <laughs> for those of you who can't see, Monique starts raising her eyebrows. <laughs> so um, that's S, Right, so identify a specific symptom. Now you need to give them a new experience because (laughs) (laughs) it just happens. It just happens, right? It's a reflex. Okay, because you might not be there in person. I hope so. 
you hope maybe not <laughs> sometimes you don't hope so so yeah anyway you can either give them like a real experience or experience through story okay so obviously that's what we do in copywriting we give them a new experience through story <laughs> so we're on s we're on what we'll we on s we're on a okay so a is assumptions so what assumptions have they got so like we said before the way you form a belief is through experience belief story and an assumption is an examined belief okay so let's go to a let's go to assumption okay so what are their unuseful assumptions okay so for example a lot of mine was kind of like i needed to create a lot of youtube content to build a business right a keywords create i need to create assets right instead to replace the unuseful assumption right i can for example if someone told me a story of uh, a little kid that had almost nothing who grew up with no financial resource nothing like that but still he went to let's say for example a newspaper publisher he identified some space that wasn't used he said to them look if i get your product can i get 50% of the cut when each sales made he went to another another person which had a product he said the same thing there's no risk on either end and it's like oh i don't need to create something anymore as long as I just have access and the ownership of something, that's a lot better. Okay. So if you guys saw what I did there, I went from replacing an unuseful assumption, one that's probably maybe not as good, with a more useful assumption with a story and a metaphor. Hence why story is so important in copy. Right. right. So let me, let me quickly summarize that. So you form a belief by experience, belief, and a story. You replace the belief by identifying the specific symptoms of the experience, okay? So that's S. Then you go to A by identifying the unuseful assumptions, replacing it with a more useful assumption, aka your product, your solution, your service. And then you go to the last part by using a story and a metaphor, an analogy to make your idea think it's their idea. So that fish in that aquarium, what happened to them? The fish in the aquarium, um, they're going to have to listen to the end of the episode to um, find out what listened to them, what happened to him. You know, I really like animals, so I hope he's going to make it. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure the listeners do too, but um, I'll tell you at the end of the episode. But first, let's get into your question. Oh, I have another one? Okay, great. All right, so... Okay, so now this keto person doesn't have the assumption anymore that keto is the only diet to lose 15 kilo in two days. And they think like, oh, great, I can also do the carnivore diet. That's fantastic. As long as I don't eat carbs, I'm fine. So it's a, maybe a more useful assumption. But now all of our animal lovers out there, they will come and just take this guy apart on social media. So what are we going to do now? Oh, well, the way you do that is just basically fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. The thing is, when, when you work in this kind of other kind of industry, uh, you have to almost just be insensitive, right? So you have to realize that all people, I believe basically all people have, like you said at the start of the episode, intention, right? I believe most people kind of have good intentions, it's just their internal story they're telling themselves, right? So, for example, someone that's vegan and someone that's 
it's a carnivore diet, right? They both have good intentions. They just have different stories they're telling themselves and different ways they view the world, right? So to answer your question, they just let them tell themselves their own story. So how often do you think, do you need to attempt to change someone's beliefs and not so useful assumptions in order to get them to the point where you can bring your product or service as a solution to them? So how often? Yeah. So with how often, I mean like how many, how many touch points do they need with this type of changing the belief throughout one sales letter or one sales page or one post or whatever one episode oh, dude, that's a good question okay so like any answer if anyone ever gives you like um and here here's the like uh, i don't know what it is what what it's kind of ironic or contradictory right so persuasion you want to be very oversimplistic you want to oversimplify everything right and everyone that gives you an answer that's very simple is deceiving you because there's no answer that's like extremely simple and black and white. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's a persuasion principle for those of you who don't know. So to answer your question, it really depends. If for example, you want to create demand for, let's say you're doing like a product launch, right? So you might start off with like, um, if your audience is on Facebook, you might start off with a few Facebook posts. Maybe you'll remember, identify their specific symptoms you identify, then maybe tell a story because that story will give them a new perspective and replace the assumption. And you can just use different stories from different angles, use a metaphor once, use a story another time, use an analogy another time. That's like if you do a product launch, things like that. In a sales letter, <laughs> I use the example like basically copywriting is like lasagna, right? At the bottom, you've got like all the, the beef mints or whatever. I haven't cooks lasagna in years but you have all this like the beef mints and things and then you have the the like the pasta sheet and then then whatever some cheese or whatever it is right in copywriting basically the the cheese is all the like the elements like proof objection claim benefit and the bottom of the lasagna that actually keeps it intact is the beliefs right so another metaphor is think of For example, all the elements on earth, like the houses, blah, 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 blah. The cars are proof, objections, all the elements in you'll see in a sales letter, urgency, scarcity. And then right at the bottom, the tectonic plate, that's the belief. Right? So belief just runs through the whole sales letter. Every element has to change the belief. And yeah, the way you do that, again, it's by overcoming, obviously, objections, Giving them a new experience. Like I said, the way you change beliefs is giving them a new experience and a new perspective. That's really what it comes down to. And the best way to do that is through a metaphor and a story. Mm. Um, actually, quick, quick for those of them that are actually interested in the actual principles of persuasion, a concept that's been bouncing around in my head lately, which relates to the human psychology is, and you have a scale of novelty and security, right? So, What I've seen recently in a sales letter um, from the really good ones that have made quite a fair fortune, they they use, for example, like metaphors or certain things that people are already familiar with, right? 
The reason it's important that they're already familiar with this is because they have trust in it. They have security, right? So that's on one end of the spectrum. On the complete other end is novelty, right? So what you want to do when you want to persuade people, again, the, the normal notion, just enter the conversation going in their minds, right? So if you know, for example, when I use the metaphor about cakes, right? So you know that you're familiar with that. You, you really like trust that you probably crave it, right? So you're edging way on the side of security. Now, if I wanted to sell you a cake and say, look, this cake is brand new. It's revolutionary. It doesn't taste like any cake you've ever had. Like, I'm not even sure if we should give you this. It's like the ingredients, nothing like any cakes you've ever tasted, right? You'll probably be like, hang on a second. Whoa, this is a bit too novel for me, right? Instead, if I baked your cake, that's like, okay, look, this has like 80, 85% of the ingredients that you normally eat in your cakes, right? But I'm just going to add about 50% new ingredients, right? I think it's going to taste a lot better, okay? So when you want to persuade people, make sure you use familiar concepts and then add a small touch of novelty, right? Not too much novelty. Otherwise, they'll be too scared. And let the sugar out. Sugar is definitely not good for cakes. Oh, it depends your perspective. It's good for the taste. <laughs> not always. It can ruin a lot of cakes. I'm kidding. I've never baked a cake. And no lasagna, obviously, because you didn't know that the sheets are going to go first at the button. No, but they understand the concept. The whole point is making the whole point is making the content memorable. I understand. <laughs> okay, awesome. So <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, yeah, I know a lot about food. I don't make it, but I eat a lot of it. Yeah, I'm good at that too. <laughs> so. What is your favorite type of copy to write? Oh, I like this one. I'd say long form, long form direct uh, direct response. Long form, and there's no like people that label it, but long form and medium form. Sometimes it's not that great to write a 40-page show that it can get a little bit messy. Um, and write, writing is hard. Like I've, I failed English twice in school, and I never even, English is kind of, it was my second language. So I was never really good at English, but copywriting is nothing about writing, almost zero about writing. And it's freaking hard. It's so hard to like just get the brass tacks of the idea. Right? That's all you're trying to transport your idea into their minds. And it's very hard to make it concise. So to do that for 40 pages, I like it. It's a challenge, but maybe 20 pages is fine. Where would you put a 20-page sales letter? Where would I put it? Yeah. They're just on online. And then people scroll through 20 pages of sales letter? See, here's the interesting concept, right? When you have persuasion trigger, when you have persuasion techniques like me, people read anything. Right? <laughs> no, I'm only I'm only kidding. So it, it comes down to your target market. Okay. So for example, like currently I'm just about to work on a financial promotion, okay, for a financial publisher. And their target market, it's like 65 plus. So they're, they're more than happy to read, probably sit on their couch, have a sip of tea and read 40 pages. Right. right? They have especially, the time that you want. Yeah. 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 Especially, <laughs> especially if you frame it as information. Right. So right. that's important. You don't oh. want to frame it as a sales letter. Maybe that's my new tagline. Get as much time as a 65-year-old who reads a 40-page sales letter. 
Well, there you go. <laughs> Pick your, look, you, you can't choose your family. You can't choose your friends. You can't choose oh, right. a lot of things, but you can choose your target market. You could choose your customer. Right. I do choose my friends and my family too. They just didn't know. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Now you uh, know everyone. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, wow. So I put my lenses back on. And so I'm this person who's like, okay, I got no time for this shit. And I'm the first one who pushes the little button on the page and goes straight down. And I just want to see like, what do I get? How much does it cost me? Because how much does it cost is almost irrelevant if that what I get is what I want. And I know I probably get what I need. And then you can charge me almost whatever not everything but it's like in proportion obviously and so i'm like your whole like plurp in between (laughs) i don't have time for that i don't watch netflix why would i read your sales letters for like 10 pages so i read the beginning like usually the first paragraph only though to catch people's energies so if i catch something that's like far off i'm like oh no okay thanks bye then i just get off the page but i think i've never read an entire sales page ever unless it was mine and i had to write it that's interesting here's why Uh, there's different types of readers okay so there's a reader like yourself and i'm very much in the same boat as yourself just the other day, I listened to a podcast from this one guy, his copywriter. He doesn't, like, he's a good copywriter, don't get me wrong, but it's nothing that I didn't know, right? Almost nothing. The only reason, I literally went to his website, bought this product from him, and I did the same as you. I didn't read it. I just went all the way down, just click, boom, whatever. I didn't even really know what I got. <laughs> anyway, the, the only reason I bought it was because of the the bond he created, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that's becoming for anyone interested in marketing that's listening to this i can't stress that enough it's becoming especially in the internet marketing niche the personal brand niche if you yeah. want to call it that it's becoming like massive right because everyone's skepticism is going up and up and up and up it's like you make a claim they're like oh i don't believe you um so creating the bond beforehand it's it's real important and to answer your question at the bottom you just give a summary anyway, right? Yeah. So that's the normal structure of this here that you just summarize what they're going to get. If they're interested, then you'll go up and read it, right? You might go up and read it. And again, it's, it's you need to know the readership path, right? So for example, when you're scrolling, you want subheads that overcome objections and catch your attention basically, right? So, yeah. So how do you create this bond that doesn't need anyone to read sales pages because... I ain't got no time for that. Interesting question. So like I said, it's the work is all done before. So the way you create a bond is through content and it's through story, right? So bonds are created through the shared values, okay? So if you and I share a value, a bond will be created, right? Mm -hmm. And especially if you spend time with that person, like a longer duration. Okay, so a lot of it is values and familiarity, okay, like commonality. For example, I think he said something like something about Dan Kennedy or something like that. And 
he he had he had the belief which I had, right? And I just bought his product because he just made a bond. Okay, so and that's how all humans work. And it's I think we're moving into a, an age of identification marketing, right? So it's becoming increasingly important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sorry to answer your question. What is the number one favorite story out there that you will always remember that wasn't yours? Oh, that's a good question. That's a fire question. Um, <laughs> so, in a this 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 literally changed my life, which is why it's a good question. So I read the like everyone does the the book Think and Grow Rich, right? Yep. So I read this book when I was I don't know, I can't remember fifteen sixteen. I just like the person I wants to, and there's nothing wrong with this. Everyone is their own person, but the person that wants to do like a nine to five, go to university and, you know, that kind of traditional lifestyle. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I read this book, Think and Grow Rich, and it had the, the lesson three feet from gold. Right. And this is the impact of story. Literally a story can change your life because we all live for an internal story. Um, so this gave me an, a new story to replace my current unuseful story. Mm-hmm. so the the free feet from gold right it was like i can't remember their story like exactly word for word but there was two guys one guy he came in there was a a gold mine right so he came in he knocked the gold whatever with a whatever they used to hammer the gold um he knocked he knocked he knocked he knocked and he he's like he just couldn't get it he just thought uh there's no gold here i'm just gonna move on now uh, the second guy, he came in and he was like, okay, I want to try and do this. So he comes in, boom, 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 boom. And he got the gold. But the first guy, he was just, just three feet away from the gold. Right? Just three feet away from everything he wanted in life. Uh, everything he wanted in life, right? At that moment in time. <laughs> but yeah, literally, that the whole concept, the lesson of the story is basically just effort right don't just don't stop whatever kind of just do whatever it takes and don't stop consistent effort right mm-hmm. and it, it's just it sounds weird because i never really understood this and it's the things that like facts tell story sell right but that's just like it's kind of like just a cliche saying no one really gets it but a story it shuts off um it shuts off the part of the brain Right, that kind of says stop, 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 stop. So it has no resistance. It just seeps through your brain because you can't argue, right? You can't argue that story. How can you argue? You were there, right? So that's the impact of a story. It can really give someone a new perspective. I love that. I know that story is in different versions. So um, about two families in the US, like one family had a gold mine, bought it. And the first year got super rich. And in the second year, they were like trying trying to dig for gold and uh, couldn't find any anymore and so they sold the gold mine to another family that then kept just moving basically for like within the area that they were digging they're moving like I think for a little bit like three feet or around just literally another meter or something and then they would dig there and they found another strain of gold and even bigger and whatever and better and got the richest family in in the area in this time so kind of like this but it's like the same story same background kind of you know like don't give up and and just keep on keep on working basically on it 
Um, yeah, I think stories are super, not only impactful, but I think the the way they connect us is because of the emotional connection they build between people as well. And because it sticks longer to us um, if we do have an emotional connection that we connect to this story. Because you can tell me like, you know, you just keep on working. You will get it. You will get it. And I'll be yeah, sure. Whatever. Yeah, it's... It- it's interesting point because it, it goes um you know like some of those i used to listen when i was younger like to those i call i think they're cringy actually i think they're real cringy the motivational videos right hey don't give up hey just keep pushing right it's like you you're basically hitting a, a rock wall right you're not trying to persuade me mm-hmm. you know, rather if you just use a story you can actually persuade me or maybe i'm just stubborn who knows no i totally agree i totally agree so you talked about uh, at the very beginning of being a little bit more efficient with finding principles, reverse engineering, finding patterns, and looking uh, for other people who can help you, mentors with guidance, whatever. But what does efficiency actually mean to you? So to me, it means basically get more done in less time, I suppose, with less worry. And getting more done as in more work or better quality? I like that. Better quality. Mm. So how are you standing in your life with and in your business with efficiency right now? Because I can imagine writing 40 pages of sales letter would knock the heck out of me. So I don't know about you, but it would take me way too long. Also, I'm when I'm writing, it's... Uh, I mean, once I start writing, I can't stop writing, but I think I'm more content than copy. So you can't do shit with my writing. <laughs> I'm not sure if, it could, if you could settle with it. But I'm writing content a lot. So my Facebook posts sometimes are like 3,000 words, and then I have to put them on my blog because I can't use them on Facebook. So um, how long does it take you to take to like work on an average, not very niche-specific? Yeah, so for example... Um... And credit to Stefan, four days the guy does it in, like, she's four, credit to him. But for me, again, it depends on the market, how well I know the market. The answer is always it depends. But it's probably one to two weeks, right? So the ideas... The idea is just massive, right? So getting the big idea, it's, it's the trickiest part. Once you've got the big idea, once you've done all the research, then you start writing... And then you can just start editing basically after that. Mm-hmm. So are there any tricks or any, I don't like to say tricks because I think it's cookie cutter shit, but is there anything that you do for yourself to get into like the flow or into the zone basically to help you stay productive while you're writing? Yeah. So just while you're talking, I'll just open my another window. So is this like, I'm not a massive fan of quotes, but this is a quote that relates well to the question you've just answered and basically the your podcast. So <clears throat> the quote by Charles Dickens, right? The mere consciousness of an engagement will sometimes worry a whole day. Okay. So to answer your question, how do I use that? Well, there's um chair on a second. I don't wanna take it off my screen here. I'll just keep it on the little thing. Okay, besides the point, so the way I get into it and the way the listeners can get ready from this is there's like two types of schedules, right? There's like a 
what's called a maker schedule and a manager schedule. A manager schedule is like, hey, come here, we're going to do a meeting right now, right? Or we're going to do a meeting at one o'clock. Well, if I'm writing at 6 a.m. and I have a meeting at one, I'm going to have this like nagging thing in the back of my brain, keep thinking of this thing, right? And that comes down to you kind of anticipating what's going to happen, anticipation, which is real important in copy as well, by the way. But anyway, the way I do it is, so for example, I did this podcast at 8 a.m. in the morning. Okay, so the rest of the day, now I haven't got any like podcasts or things to do. Or now I can just focus and just write, 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 write. Okay, so having not having any like distractions, anything, literally just opening up a Google Doc and just smashing it. No social media things, none of that nonsense. By the way, social media... Are you online at all and uh, like at this typical social media stuff and how do you like what you see out there? You mean how do I like what I see on social media, right? Yeah. You know, like all the content that's been presented. Here's the thing. Actually, I like it. The reason I like it is because I consume what I want to consume, right? So if I go on Facebook sometimes, I have friends that put good stuff, right? And the people that don't, well, they can get off it, right? So it's just like a, like we said, it's a lens, right? So whatever you want to put through your lens. So yeah, it, it all depends. I mean, if you veer off other topics or social media, there's just, uh, it's actually quite cringy. It's like, <laughs> Okay. So before we finish this whole conversation, uh, first of all, I want to thank you again for coming on and putting me at 8 a.m. Yes. First thing in the morning. I always say like the first thing in the morning is the most important thing. So I'll take it as a compliment for, <laughs> for today. So tell me three things that looking back at your career, you would consistently repeat again because you think that were the most important things for you to get where you are today? Fire questions, isn't it? Um, effort, definitely. I've never been the smartest or anything like that, whatever. It's just effort. So that's one. Number two, principles. Always principles. Number three, let's see what I can dig out here. I'd say... <sighs> And this sounds cliche, so I wish I could have time to tell you a story here, but I'd just say action. Like, literally, there is, I know so, so many smart people, like, way smarter than me, like, a thousand times smarter than me. But to me, anyway, success is in direct correlation to action and application than anything else, right? I know tons of smart people, and they just, like, I can't even think of a metaphor. They just, like, a massive light bulb full of energy, but the energy never gets used, Mm -hmm. right so it's just about using all the energy and actually taking action and just making decisions right if you make a decision and it doesn't go right well what's the worst that can happen not that much really so anyway what was my free principles action and effort yeah awesome so dane tell everyone uh where they can find you if you want to be found and uh what they can find there if you have anything to offer no one find me <laughs> no, um, I can tell you they, where he is don't worry <laughs> yeah in all seriousness if they if they want help I've got um, I put some stuff on my Facebook thing sometimes when I feel like it 
I've got some books out there if you're interested in a topic. And then, yeah, I've got like, um, at the moment, I'm pretty busy. So I've got a client waiting list. So probably don't go on there. Look on my Facebook and you should be fine. You should you should get content, hopefully, that you find helpful. Otherwise, I've done myself. <laughs> what's uh, what's one of your books that people can look for? I, I've got a few. So I've got the the um, uh, the Forbidden Secret of Copywriting, right, which is like quote-unquote proper book. It's not as small as the others. I'd recommend that for your listeners if they're like, let's say, um, uh, beginner to moderate, right? If they're advanced... Like they know a lot about it in the unpublished chapters, but yeah, if they want, they can check out. I don't want to start plugging stuff in here. Well, I asked you for it, so that's totally fine. <laughs> Guys and girls and everyone else who is listening, you will find the links down below in the show notes, as you know. Then it was such a pleasure to talk to you. It was a lot of fun. Um, thank you for coming on. I hope we get to talk in the future again and just maybe nerd out on some more human nature. And if you haven't been subscribing yet, do that right now. You know where to do that. iTunes, Google, Spotify, whatever. You know the just um, people. And I hope I'll see you next week. You've been listening to Efficiency On Demand. On Demand. We hope you've learned about your ultimate potential, how to control your time, how to create some clarity in your crazy life, and how to live life limitless. Limitless. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And please follow on Instagram at Secret Weapon to Efficiency. We'll see you next time on Efficiency On Demand with Monique. Remember... Slow down to speed up.